The longest tenured zag in the NBA, Kelly Olynyk was dealt from the Detroit Pistons to the rebuilding Utah Jazz on Thursday morning. We break down the deal, what it means for Kelly's upcoming season, right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, we are talking Kelly Olinick today. It is part of of our Zags in the NBA season preview series. I'll be honest, I was planning to talk about a different player today. I had the notes taken. I'm saving that one for next week because Thursday morning I awoke up to the news that the Detroit Pistons have traded former Gonzaga basketball starter Kelly Olynyk to the Utah Jazz in a deal for Bojan Bogdanovic. The full deal is Kelly and Sabin Lee to Utah for Bogdanovic. We're going to break down the trade a little bit more in the future segments here, but effectively, this is a rebuilding move for Utah. They traded Rudy Gobert, they traded the Donovan Mitchell, excuse me, and they're kind of just in a rebuild. They acquired a whole bunch of picks. Kelly's the guy who's going to balance out their salary a little bit, give them some veteran presence, potentially work with some of the young guys. There's a lot to like about this trade for Kelly individually. There's a fair amount to see why it's a positive for Utah as well. We're going to get more into that second segment. We're talking best case scenario for Kelly Linux, worst case scenario for Kelly Linux. Segment three, we're going to discuss more what I think his realistic role and projected outcome is for this season. Again, the trade just happened, so it's brand new. So we're just now seeing what some of those depth charts looks like. But with a month until the season starts, we're going to find out pretty soon what kind of role Kelly Linux is going to have. However... Segment one, as we have been doing with these Zags in the NBA season previews, and as we will do with the current Gonzaga roster when we do season previews starting in October, segment one is just a history. How did we get where we are? We're not going to go through every single season of Kelly Olynyk's career like we've been doing with the Joel Iai and Killian Tilly wrap-ups because they're a lot shorter and it's a little bit easier to get through some of those, uh, but we're not going to do that for Kelly here. We are going to start with his Gonzaga career because it's one of my favorites. It's one of the most fascinating and ultimately impactful college basketball careers we have seen at Gonzaga of all time. I was going to say of the last 10 years, but of all time, frankly. Uh, He came to Gonzaga from Kamloops, BC in Canada in 2009. He Board almost redshirted as a true freshman. I think that's a story that maybe doesn't get talked about all that often. It was close between him and Sam Dower. Sam Dower ultimately ended up being the player who redshirted that first year. Kelly played. He played sparingly as a freshman. He played sparingly as a sophomore in the 2009 and 2010 seasons. All told, he played 69 total games between those two seasons. He averaged about 13 minutes per game, so... We say sparingly, but it's not like he didn't play at all. He was a rotation player, just... Not a high-level rotation player, a guy who was not playing a whole ton of minutes at the time. He averaged four and a half points, 3.3 rebounds. He shot just under 36% from deep. So another one of those things that Kelly doesn't often get credit for. He was a good three-point shooter his entire career. He didn't actually do it as well in his monstrous senior season at Gonzaga, but he's always been a good three-point shooter. That has carried over into the NBA. Obviously, Kelly sat out the 2011-2012 season as a redshirt that 
That is the story that makes Kelly Linux college basketball career so profoundly impactful. Uh, it's been interesting to see how much that has ebbed and flowed since then. Effectively, what happened is Kelly sat out that year. He redshirted. The Zags didn't really have a clear role for him, so they thought, we're going to redshirt you. We're going to get you an extra year of eligibility. Beyond that, we're going to have you work on some stuff with your game. Kelly grew something like eight inches while he was in high school when the Zags were initially recruiting him. He was a guard. And then he grew about seven or eight inches. So he had these guard skills, but he was having trouble figuring out how to still implement those skills with his new size. If I haven't grown eight inches in a year in my entire life, but if I did, I would imagine that my ball handling skills would probably fall off a little bit, be a little bit tougher to figure out how to utilize your strength as a basketball player when you grow as much as you do. So the Zags effectively said, you know what? We're going to give you a year. We're going to let you work really, really hard on your strength coach. They worked uh, They worked with Travis Travis Knight, the strength coach at Gonzaga. They worked with him really closely. Kelly did. They did a whole bunch of drills. There's phenomenal, phenomenal articles out there about Kelly Olenek's redshirt season. I highly recommend reading every single one of them if you can. I will try to find some links to some of them. I know Sports Illustrated did a really, really good one back in the day talking about some of the drills that Travis did with Kelly during that season. But at that point, Kelly came back and... Again, after playing 70 games at Gonzaga and averaging less than five points, you could understand why there wasn't a lot of excitement about Kelly's return. It wasn't that people were down on him or like, oh, he's, you know, he's going to be terrible. It was just nobody could have expected that the kind of season that Kelly put together in 2012, 2013 was going to happen. And I remember distinctly, I was a senior that year at Gonzaga and I was very close to the basketball team. I was on the kennel club board. Like I was following the team really closely. And Mark Few was talking about this. He was saying, Hey, Kelly's going to be our best player. Like this guy's going to be the dude. He's going to be a guy that we run the offense through. And nobody believed him. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe national people did, but a lot of students did not believe that that was going to be a case where like, this is Elias Harris's team. This is Kevin Pangos's team, the new, you know, the new hot sophomore point guard who had a really good freshman year for the Zags. Uh, Gary Bell obviously was a big factor as well, but nobody nobody expected Kelly Olenek to be this. And what this was, was a consensus All-American, the WCC Player of the Year. He averaged 17.8 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, just under two assists per game. He shot 66% on two-pointers. That is elite that is Drew Timmy territory levels of elite. Kelly did it way back in 2012, 2013. He only shot 30% from deep. We saw his volume increase, obviously, as he played significantly more minutes as a senior, as a redshirt junior, I suppose, than he did in his, his first two seasons at Gonzaga. But still, we saw the number dip a little bit, 30%. He was just about 78% from the free throw line. Highly efficient score around the rim, efficient score at the free throw line. Didn't quite have the efficiency from deep, although we've seen that throughout his NBA career, but still a tremendous, remarkable season. The first year the Zags were ever ranked number one in their program history was the same year that Kelly Olenek exploded as a redshirt junior. It kind of caused this ripple effect that I don't think we're going to see continue anymore because of the new transfer portal rules. But effectively what happened for Kelly Olenek was him sitting out a year and having this massive development, this huge growth as a basketball player. I don't know how much of a direct impact it had on players like Kyle Wilcher or Jonathan Williams or Nigel Williams-Goss or Brandon Clark, who all came to Gonzaga, willingly sat out a year. Now, they didn't have a choice. I say willingly because they, they chose to commit to Gonzaga, but they had to sit out a year. That's how the NCAA worked. 
I was going to say back then, it wasn't even that long ago. Brandon Clark was like five years ago. It wasn't that long ago that this happened, but that's just how it worked. And now, of course, players can transfer right away. The transfer portal is popping off every single year. And so you don't see as many stories like that. It's part of the reason that I'm fascinated by what the Efton Reed story ultimately ends up becoming, because he's clearly not going to redshirt this season, but there's a, there's a decent chance that his playing time this year is less than what his playing time is going to be in the future when Drew Timmy is gone, when Anton Watson is gone, so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see if Gonzaga can kind of implement a Kelly Olynyk-type development for Efton Reed. That's a topic for another time, but something that I am interested in and seeing kind of the follow-up of Kelly Olynyk's redshirt season and if it still has an impact for the Zags. Obviously, after that, Kelly Linick went to the NBA, 13th pick in the 2013 NBA draft by the Dallas Mavericks. He was traded to the Boston Celtics. He spent four years in Beantown with the Celtics, averaged nine and a half points, about five rebounds, about two assists, shot 37% from deep. That's pretty much what Kelly Linick has done for his career. He has been in the league for 10 years. 10 seasons, or he's coming up on his 10th season. He's been in the league for nine years, coming up on his 10th NBA season. Kelly Linick has put up 10 and 5 and 2 Pretty much every dang season. It's one of the most remarkably... Cons- Go to his basketball reference page if you haven't yet. His career numbers are insanely consistent. He has averaged between 20 and 22 minutes per game. He has averaged between 8.5 and, and 11 points per game. He has averaged between 4.5 and, and I think like 5.8 rebounds per game. He has been insanely consistent every single season with one extraordinarily glaring exception. I want to talk more about that in the second and third segment, but that exception is a 27-game sample with the Houston Rockets during the 2020-2021 season. Houston was a rebuilding team. They had the opportunity to give Kelly 30-plus minutes per night on a rebuilding team, let him go to work, and he put up 19 points, 8.5 rebounds. He shot 40% from deep. Tremendous season for Kelly Olenek. Could that be what happens on a rebuilding Utah team? We're going to talk more about that in the second segment, but before we get there, I want to tell you all about Nugenics. Feeling like you just can't get into shape? It's not your fault. As men age, our body naturally loses free testosterone. It happens to every man and can make it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic or active. Wouldn't it be nice to get that winner's edge again and that old swagger back in your step? Want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. While every product professes quality, many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. With Nugenics Total T, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials. And Nugenics' formulation is backed by 10 years of science and research. Nugenics Total T can help re-energize your life and help you get back to the powerful, confident, good-looking warrior you used to be. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text COLLEGE to 231231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. That's COLLEGE via text to 231231. All right, segment two, still any patents, still Locked on Zags. And I want to thank you all for making Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. And I also want to thank you for heading to our YouTube channel. I know I've been pumping that a lot lately, but I sincerely appreciate those of you who have checked out the show on YouTube. Trying to get to 1,000 subscribers before the Zags take on North Florida on November 7th. If you are listening to this and you have not done so yet, 
go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags, hit that big red subscribe button. It is much appreciated. All right, we're talking Kelly Olenek here again in segment two. We touched on his history, how he got all the way to the Utah Jazz entering his 10th NBA season. We're going to talk a little bit more about what this upcoming season might look like for Kelly and and what, what a new team a month before the season, a rebuilding team, what the whole situation might look like. So first, we'll start with the best case scenario. And quite frankly, the best case scenario for Kelly Olenek looks a lot like that 27-game stint in Houston. For those who don't really remember this, Kelly Olenek got traded from the Boston, or excuse me, from the Miami Heat to the Houston Rockets. He spent a half season there. Houston was very, very rebuilding. They're still kind of coming out of that phase of their development with Jabari Smith, with Jalen Green, with Kevin Porter Jr. They might actually be out the way uh, towards towards being a contending team again in the West. But this was 2020. They were very, very bad. They acquired Kelly Olenek from Miami. They put him right into the starting lineup and they just let him go to work. He averaged about 31 minutes per game. 19 points, like I said, eight and a half rebounds. He shot 40% from deep. That is the kind of player Kelly Olynyk has proven he is capable of being. 27 games is not a very big sample size. I don't want to pretend that we can just look at those numbers and extrapolate them over 82 games and say, yeah, if Kelly plays 30 minutes a game for 82 games, then he's going to put up 19 and 9. I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. Houston really facilitated the offense through Kelly in a in a way that I don't think Utah is going to do, even though Utah's NBA roster is not particularly good right now. They traded Rudy Gobert for those who missed it. They traded Donovan Mitchell for those who missed that as well. This is a team in a deep rebuild. They have committed to being bad for years. And now with the potential changes coming to the uh, to the NBA in the future where players can go direct from high school to the NBA, you're going to see some draft classes that are very, very stacked with high school talent and high-level college talent. Utah might be able to capitalize on this and turn things around relatively quickly, but their acquisition of Kelly Olynyk was to put an NBA-caliber player on the court while they are a bad basketball team. That's what they are doing. That's what Houston did in 2020. That is what the Utah Jazz are doing here in 2022. This is seemingly Kelly Olynyk's career arc right now. He was a high-level player on playoff teams in Boston, high-level player on a team that went to the championship in Miami since then, since he went to Houston, since he went to Detroit. Now he's in Utah. He has become a veteran player on a rebuilding team. It's not the best spot to be, but it's also far from the worst spot to be. Case in point, Kelly's tremendous season in Houston, half season in Houston. You can put up those, he's not going to put up those numbers on a team that's going to the playoffs. He's just not. Kelly Olenek is a very good, very, very good NBA player, but he is not a high-level scorer on a NBA playoff team. He's not. At his peak, at his peak, he was a good role player on a championship team, which is an incredible peak. Not a lot of players reach that. A lot of, even a lot of players who make the NBA don't get to be a guy who averages nine and five on a team that went to the championship. That's pretty impressive. But right now, Kelly, while I think he's capable of being that, and I think that there's a very realistic chance that that ends up becoming something he he does again in his career. He could get traded to a contender. Right now, he is a good player, a good veteran player, who is going to play a lot of minutes on a bad basketball team. The best case scenario for Kelly Linick is he puts up numbers remotely similar to what he put up in Houston. The other best case scenario for Kelly and for the Utah Jazz is that he acts as a good mentor for the younger bigs, notably former Auburn center Walker Kessler. Kessler was selected by the Utah Jazz in the first round of the most recent NBA draft. And prior to this trade, in the between period between Rudy Gobert's trade and the, the Utah Jazz acquiring Kelly Olenek, 
Kessler was in line to start. He was going to start for this team, even though he has never played in the NBA. He's a late first round pick. I don't, I'm not trying to insult Walker Kessler. He's a talented basketball player, elite shot blocker, better offensive player than he gets credit for. But now he gets an opportunity to grow and develop and not have this pressure of you have to be the guy who replaces Rudy Gobert. That is not a fun situation to be in. Kelly can handle that. He can, he can handle that because he's Kelly Olynyk. He's not some unknown entity, some guy that nobody's ever seen before. He's a guy who has a decade of very consistent production in the NBA. If Kelly Olynyk goes to Utah and puts up 10 and 5, yeah, Utah fans are probably going to be like, well, we wanted more out of him and blah, why we traded, you know, Bogdanovich for this guy, like blah, blah, blah. Sure, but Kelly putting up 10 and 5 is like normal, at least. If Walker Kessler puts up numbers that don't match what people wanted from him, he's going to get dunked on aggressively. There's going to be pressure. He's going to feel it. It could disrupt his development as an NBA player. We've seen that countless times. So the best case scenario for the Utah Jazz is that Kelly Linick can kind of come in and absorb the brunt of fans who are upset about Rudy Gobert not being the guy under center while putting up productive numbers and mentoring Walker Kessler. I think that's a great result. It's not necessarily something that we're going to see on the box score on a day-to-day basis, but it is something that we can kind of infer is happening. And certainly as we see Kessler develop into what I think will be a very competent NBA player, maybe backup center is more his, his ceiling or his likely outcome for Kessler. But if we see him kind of start to make those moves, start to develop like that a little bit, you could probably ascribe some of that to Kelly Olenek. Now, him, Kelly and Kessler are not super similar players. Walker's, again, a good shot blocker, not a great stretch player at this point in his career. But Kelly, obviously not a great shot blocker, but much more of a stretch five, stretch four type player. But again, I still think we could see a, a solid relationship develop there. And then again, sticking with the best case scenarios. The best case scenario for for Kelly Olynyk almost certainly is that he plays well enough to get traded to a contender at the deadline. Kelly is signed through 2024, so any team trading for Kelly Olynyk would get him for the rest of this current NBA season as well as all of next season. That could be a detriment in his trade value in some capacity because he's owed a lot of money next year. It could also help certain teams who maybe are dealing with injuries and want a guy who can come in and also compete for a spot next year. It could be helpful for a team that is maybe just starting to pull out of their rebuild and wants a guy who can be there for a couple of seasons as they kind of continue their progression towards being a championship contender. I think there's a lot of teams that will show interest in Kelly provided he proves that he is healthy, that he is capable of being, he doesn't have to put up 19 and eight and a half like he did in Houston, but if he puts up 15 and six, let's say in 28 minutes per game, He's going to get a lot of attention at the NBA trade deadline, and the Utah Jazz are going to try to move on from him if they can. It's not that they don't like him. It's that they're trying to shed salary. They're trying to acquire young players and draft picks. Kelly Linick is 30, and he's not a draft pick. So for them to be able to move him for those pieces would be a huge thing for Utah. For Kelly, a successful half season in Utah getting traded to a contender, boom, that's a big win. What's the worst case scenario for Kelly Linick? Well, I've said on these podcasts before that I try not to talk about injuries as worst case scenario because I think it's pretty reductive and fairly obvious, but obviously Kelly has had injury issues very recently in his career, so that is something to keep in mind. More notably for Kelly, the worst case scenario is that he just, we continue to see signs of potential decline. Last season in Detroit, Kelly only played 40 games because he was dealing with an injury, so their sample size was relatively small, but his 19.1 minutes per game, his 33.6% three-point percentage, and his 44.8 field goal percentage were all career lows. We are seeing small signs of potential decline for Kelly Linick. 
seven fit seven foot tall people who have played a lot of NBA games start to decline in their thirties. Kelly Linick is thirty. I don't think that he's like on this massive decline where he's going to be out of the league in two years. I, I don't think that he's even going to be like I don't think his, his season long numbers, provided he stays healthy, are even going to look dramatically different than what he has put up throughout his career. But in a worst case scenario, you start to see signs of that. Maybe his numbers on back-to-backs are significantly lower. Maybe you just start to see him not be as aggressive going for certain shots, doing certain things. Maybe he goes through more ugly stretches towards the end of the season because fatigue sets in a little earlier. All that stuff could absolutely happen. Another worst-case scenario for Kelly, not necessarily a worst-case scenario for the Jazz, but a worst-case scenario for Kelly is that he loses playing time to Kessler to Cody Zeller, to anybody else who's on Utah's roster currently who might end up playing over Kelly. Right now, the expectation is he's going to start. That may not be the case forever. And in a worst-case scenario for Kelly, he doesn't play well enough to ease Utah's fans who are upset about Rudy Gobert getting traded. He doesn't play well enough to even play over Kessler or Zeller or anybody else who's on that roster right now. And he doesn't play well enough to be considered even a trade chip at all. He's just a large contract on a rebuilding team who's not doing very much on the court. That would be the worst case scenario for Kelly Olenek. If Utah can't trade him, he probably just gets buried on their depth chart next season because they are going to start trying to get out of this rebuild. They might have a high draft pick this year. They might use it on a big. Who knows? They're hoping Walker Kessler will develop into something. If that's the case, Kelly's... It's kind of like what was probably going to happen in Detroit before the Pistons decided to trade Kelly, which is... He's going to be an expensive player who they don't really want to try to fit into their future. The Pistons wanted to fit Isaiah Stewart. They want to fit Sadiq Bey. Now, of course, they want to fit Bogdanovich into that future as well. For for them, Kelly was kind of a, a superfluous piece, a piece that wasn't going to help them dramatically that season. Worst case scenario for Kelly is that that similar situation happens in Utah and they can't figure out what to do with him or a team to trade him to to recoup some value. Now we're going to come back. In the third and final segment of the show, we're going to talk about Kelly Olynyk's more realistic outcomes, where I expect his season to take him. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but college football and the NFL are just getting started and the MLB playoffs are around the corner. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags. Still talking about the most veteran Zag in the NBA. That is Kelly Olynyk, recently traded to the Utah Jazz from the Detroit Pistons. And I mean recently, depending when you're listening to this, it happened a few hours ago from when I am recording this. We're trying to get you the most live reaction we can to this trade here. Right now, again, a couple hours after the trade was announced, Every single depth chart that I have looked at shows Kelly Olenek as the starting center for the Utah Jazz. He's replacing Rudy Gobert. That's not a particularly easy task to do. Rudy Gobert, all-defensive player, all-star caliber player. Like, 
a superstar in the sense that he was one of the most impactful players in the league. Certainly he was not a high-level scorer. He's kind of different than what you would consider a traditional superstar, but a really, really talented NBA player who spent a long time in Utah, established himself there, and is now gone. Jazz fans, I feel for them. It's always hard to go through a rebuild. And and when you're not expecting to go through a rebuild and suddenly, oh, we're trading Rudy Gobert. Oh, wait, we're trading Donovan Mitchell. We're just getting rid of everybody. We're going to have a team with the starting lineup that includes Kelly Olynyk and Laurie Markkinen and Colin Sexton and maybe not the kind of caliber of players we're used to having when we had Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And that's a tough task. And Kelly... Again, this is kind of where he's at in his career is he is a he's a a big man who is capable of being an NBA starter for teams like Utah. He probably doesn't start on playoff teams. I, I looked at some of the rosters for teams that are considered likely to make the NBA playoffs. There's not a lot of them where Kelly would clearly start. There's somewhere he might. There's certainly somewhere one injury and bam, he's a starter for sure. But right now he's either a backup role player on a good team or a starter on a not very good team. We've seen him do both in his NBA career. He's done both for a fairly extensive amount of time with the backup part. He hasn't been a starter on a bad team for very long because he was injured most of last year with Detroit. But We saw it in Houston. We're going to get a chance to see it again. We talked about Walker Kessler. We talked about Cody Zeller. Udoka Azubuki is there as well. We talked about Laurie Markkinen, Jared Vanderbilt is in the mix as well. Utah has a lot of bigs, but Kelly is as good or better than all of them, with the exception of Markkinen. Markkinen is going to play the four. Kelly's going to play the five. It really allows Utah to be able to space the floor in a significant way with both their starting four and their starting five. Allows more room to operate for some of their guards. Good news for Mike Conley. Good news for Colin Sexton and their ability to get into the paint. Good news for Oche Abagji, who is now in Utah after getting traded there in the Cleveland deal for Donovan Mitchell. Kelly's been really, really consistent. When looking at what his projected numbers are going to be, it's hard to not gravitate towards the 10 and 5 that he has put up basically every season in his career. My entire adult life, practically. I was 22 when Kelly Lennon got drafted in the NBA. I'm turning 32 on Friday, and for that entire amount of time, Kelly Olenek has been a guy who put up basically 10 and 5. I, I know I'm harping on that a lot on this podcast, but I find it very remarkable to be able to consistently do that year in and year out. And when talking about what do I expect his production to look like, it's hard to not gravitate towards what he has already done. Now, again, we have this 27-game sample size from Houston. We have a somewhat similar situation where he is the starting center on a rebuilding team. They don't have a lot of offensive weapons. Like I think the offense is probably going to cycle mostly through Colin Sexton is my guess in Utah, but it's kind of hard to know. It's a little bit challenging to figure out what exactly that's going to look like, what the coaching staff's going to want to do. Houston really aggressively just put everything through Kelly. He got the ball at the top of the key. He facilitated the offense. He ran everything. I have a hard time expecting Utah to do that. So I think some people who are going to look at this and think, well, he's going to do what he did in Houston. He's going to put up 19 and eight and a half. I don't think he's going to be that productive, but I do think that if I had to guess, if I had to bet an over on his 10 and 5 career averages, an over under on that for this season, I would put over. I think somewhere kind of in the middle of that is pretty reasonable. 14, 15 points per game, six, seven rebounds per game, maybe three assists per game, depending on how often Utah pulls him away from the rim and, and has him be more of a facilitator, or whether they just kind of let him either do post up stuff, which isn't really his game, or let him facilitate away from the arc. 
lots of options for Utah. It'll be interesting to see what they do now that they have a center who doesn't need to be right right next to the basket like Rudy Gobert did. Gobert did not have any offensive game that stretched the floor at all, but he was a menace defensively, of course. Kelly's not really either of those things. He's he is a fine low post scorer, but it's not really his game. He's more of an outside shooter, more of a driver, and certainly not a a high level rim protector the way that that Gobert was. But I think we're going to see a guy who plays plays 25, 26 minutes per game. I think we're looking at something along the lines of 15 and 6, and I do think ultimately he's going to get traded. I think the Utah Jazz, if he plays well enough, they're going to look to deal him at the deadline and see if they can get out from underneath his future guaranteed contract for that season and for the next season. If they can trade him for a pick or a couple future picks or a younger player, I think they're going to do that. They need him to play well and stay healthy in order for that to happen, but assuming that that does, I think Kelly Linux is going to find himself on another team, his fourth team in the last couple of years. Very challenging for a young man who just got married very recently. Not fun to be traveling around all that much, but that is part of the deal in the NBA. And if the Los Angeles Lakers or the Portland Trailblazers or the Dallas Mavericks or some other team that is in contention, that is looking for a big man to help supplement whoever they have on the current roster, I think Kelly's going to be pretty darn happy to go out there because I think this Utah Jazz team is going to be capital B bad. And I think the Jazz are going to be quite happy to move him, get out from under the contract, get some more young assets and continue their rebuild uh, as they head out of the Donovan Mitchell era in Utah. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Don't forget to check out my written content at scorezagscore.com. This is the final episode of the week. I'm going to be out of town for the next couple of days celebrating my birthday, but I will be back next week. We got more of these NBA previews. We got more recruiting talk. We got plenty more good stuff coming your way right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Check it out there if you haven't done so yet. And finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC doesn't exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.